0: All right. Welcome back, everyone. This is Didact, and this is the Didactic Mind podcast. And once again, we're back with a domain query episode, specifically with respect to a very interesting question that I got from a longtime reader and an old friend. A longtime reader in front of the site, Kapios, had a question about death uh, and fear of death, which is why this episode is called Domain Query. Fear of the Long Dark, an uh, Iron Maiden reference, in case you haven't noticed. Um, basically, this is all about, uh, whoops, sorry, this is all about um, essentially how to overcome the fear of death. So uh, he wrote a long comment in my recent post about how to be resilient, and I thought it was worth answering at some length, so that's what I'm going to do. So here's his full comment and it'll be linked in the description and elsewhere. Uh, quote, It gets worse before things get better. Knowing that intellectually and feeling it to every last bone in your body is a big difference, as I realized. There is one subject that I would like you, like to see you tackle in a post sometime in the future, and that is overcoming the fear of death. Not the YOLO, I'm taking cocaine and partying kind, but the one that you hear about warriors in the past who had a lot to lose, their lands, properties, families, etc. And yet they were still able to fight as if they were not attached to those things. How do people do that? I have been thinking about this a lot with the recent trend of mandatory vaccinations. Somebody who had lived in a monastery for more than a decade told me this about a week ago. The threat to lock me up and starve me to death if I don't put the vaccine will not change my mind. I would rather die of starvation if it comes to that, because it's my choice. My country has not introduced mandatory vaccination like Austria, probably because they are waiting to see what happens with other countries, but I believe the person who told me that. He is not perfect, but he and a few other people who live there have been threatened and harassed by the police, unjustly criticized by others in the past, and yet they haven't changed their conviction. End of comment. Okay. So the core question is, how do people overcome the fear of death? For a Christian, the answer is really obvious. It's because we, as Dr. Frank Turek said and says repeatedly, we don't really die. We just change locations. That's our Christian doctrine. And that is very clear, What this is very clearly what we believe. We are created of the union of two souls, a man's soul and a woman's soul. And know if you're of the LGBTQ what the F is this shit nonsense, that's the only way there is to go about it. And that's the truth, whether you like it or not, that's simply true. So a new soul comes into being, it, It has a physical body, a a, a shell, but there is a soul within it, and it is connected to God by the Spirit. Now, this is not the time for splitting hairs about whether it's the soul or the Spirit that actually gets saved, that gets taken by God into heaven. I don't care. It's not relevant to this discussion. If you want to argue about that, argue about it. I don't care. All I'm going to say on the subject is that... There is a connection that we have to God. And that connection uh, is what saves us. Now, we have a choice during our life to accept God or reject him. That's really the only choice that truly matters. Out of anything we do, it's the only one that makes any damn difference whatsoever. If you choose God, if you choose salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, if you accept Jesus into your life as Lord and King, you will be rewarded by our Father in heaven. That's the promise. That's the covenant. Now, there's more to it than that, obviously. You can't just accept Jesus into your life and then keep sinning. It doesn't work like that. When you accept Jesus into your life, you become a new person in Christ, in God. So people like me, for instance, who carry on sinning in some way or another, you could argue reasonably that we're not real Christians. That's true. I mean, ultimately, uh, we will be judged for our time on this earth, for our actions, for what we've done and what we've said. And I know that when my time comes, I will stand before God, And I will have to give account of myself. And it's not going to be a fun time. He's going to look at all the things I've done wrong. He's going to say, dude, what's up? You said you're on my side. Why have you done all these things that are against me? Against what I told you? Against what I uh, expected of you? It's not going to be a pretty day. But, and here's the key. I know I'm going to get that chance to stand in front of him. I know that I'm not immediately going to be ejected into the outer darkness where there'll be much wailing and gnashing of teeth. I know I will not be cast in the fiery pit instantly because I know what I believe in. I know who Jesus is. I accept him as Lord. Now, that means that I'm not afraid of death. Don't get me wrong. I am terrified of dying. And you'll see that if you ever make me go on a roller coaster. I hate roller coasters. I'm terrified of roller coasters because they simulate that terror of dying. Um, and for me, it's absolutely terrifying. I like it scares the crap out of me to go on a roller coaster. But once you get past that fear of dying, Or once you get past the dying stage, for a Christian, death really holds no terror. It really doesn't. And I'll I'll tell you why. If you go to Matthew chapter 10, and you go to uh, verses 16 onwards, here's what it says. I'm reading the English Standard Version. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you... And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That key verse right there, and that was uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 33. The key verse in all of that, I mean, it's all great, but the key verse in all of that is verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. These vaccines are a compliance test. Everything about this whole nonsense is a compliance test. The KUF is increasingly being shown to be the most made-up scandal in all of human history, and the vaccines may well become the greatest crime against humanity ever recorded. And that's not hyperbolic for me to say that. When you have a virus with a 98 plus percent survival rate, and indeed, we're coming to the point where it's becoming clear it's like a 99 plus percent survival rate, this is no excuse to shut down the world. It is no excuse to destroy people's lives, no excuse to destroy economies, and absolutely no excuse to enforce mandatory vaccinations on anybody. What is becoming clear is that this is a test. How far are you going to be pushed before you bend the knee, before you break? That's really it. That's really all it is. How much persecution can you take? It's a test. And once again, from a Christian perspective, it shouldn't be surprising. Most people are failing that test. How do we as Christians break the fear of death? Well, it's very simple. We know what we believe in. We know what we're fighting for. To us, suffering on this earth is as nothing compared to the joys that we will experience in heaven by standing near the Father. Now, I'm not going to experience those joys. Let's be real clear about that. I am not worthy. I will not be one of those selected few. I know this. And it, it fills me with great sadness to know that. But I know... I'm not going to be among them. Whoever I can bring to Jesus and point him along the right path, that's good enough for me. Because to me, that's doing God's work. To point other fallen souls to Jesus and to say, this is what you must focus on. This is where you must go. This is the truth. This is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody knows the Father except through him. He is the Alpha and the Omega. If I can save souls like that, then that's a good life. It's a worthy life. And why am I not afraid of death? I mean, I, at least I don't think I am. Um, I'm not afraid of the long dark. Because for me, I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to get a chance to stand before God and give an account of myself. He's not going to like it, and he's probably going to send me out of his sight because I deserve it. Uh, thoroughly deserve it. And I don't argue with that. Um, but that is the truth of how you overcome death. Uh, fear of death, I should say. Well, you, you overcome death as well, but you overcome fear of death by understanding that death is not the end. By understanding that we change locations, we don't die per se. He who can save us has given us a choice. Now, we have that free choice to accept him and to join him in heaven or to be cast out. And God loves us so much that he will never force us to join him if we don't want to. He will never violate our free will. But that also means that we face a very serious and severe choice. Now, as to why ancient warriors were able to put aside their fear of death, well, that's real courage. That's how you have courage, by putting aside your fear. You don't... It's Real courage is not the absence of fear, as someone once said. It is the ability to overcome that fear, to put it to one side and to get on with the job that needs to be done. Well, most ancient warrior cultures had, and to some extent still have, A belief in a reward in the afterlife. If you look at ancient Norse culture, for instance, I mean, pagan to the core, messed up to the core, but the most badass belief system imaginable. What do Norse berserkers, or what did Norse berserkers think, believe? What did they believe? They believed that if they performed well enough on the battlefield, uh, the Valkyria Odin's shield maidens would descend down upon the battlefield, select the bravest few, and take them up into Valhalla, where they would no longer be enemies, you know, trying to kill each other. They would be blood brothers fighting all day, feasting all night, feasting and drinking all night, uh, in the presence of the Allfather himself. That is as badass as you can get, but that was their belief system in heaven and hell in the in the kind of the reward. They they haven't the Norse culture has an active definition of hell. Literally Niflheim, uh ruled over by Hell, uh, the half-giantess, deformed daughter of Loki, the god of mischief. Their belief system says that those who die with dishonor and those who die of old age and those who die of disease will end up in hell. They will never be judged worthy of entering the presence of their god. That was a tremendous motivator for them. In modern society, we have lost this motivation. You know, if you look at um, Hindu society or Buddhist society, which believes in an endless cycle of reincarnation, which you can get out of through enlightenment and so on and so forth. I mean, a lot of it is monumentally silly. But the core of that belief system, is that there's something worth living for and something worth dying for. This is something that modern society has forgotten. We've forgotten what it means to live for something, which means we've forgotten what it means to die for something. The old Christian martyrs died because they believed in something, something much greater than themselves, something which had never been seen before. What was it that changed the 12 weak, frightened, and scattered men among the apostles and turned them into lions of their faith? What changed? How did they go from running away from the Roman authorities, hiding wherever they could, disavowing Jesus' name, trying to distance themselves from him, to literally smiling and singing hymns as they were devoured alive by animals or had their guts spilled all over the sand of Roman circuses by gladiators completely defenseless you know they wouldn't fight they, they couldn't they were they were executed for believing in what they did but they did it with smiles on their faces what is it that Motivated somebody like like St. Paul the Apostle, who started out as Saul of Tarsus, to renounce everything he believed in, turn his back on everything he had as a Pharisee, probably, and go out into the world and be imprisoned, beaten, flogged, twice very nearly stoned to death, uh, repeatedly persecuted, vilified, ostracized imprisoned eventually in Rome and finally beheaded. What happened? Why did he happily give himself up as a prisoner in Rome, as he writes in the letter to the Romans, or to Titus, or to uh, the Ephesians, or the Colossians, or the Philippians, or the Galatians? Why did he do it? Why did St. Thomas the Apostle who rejected who rejected Jesus in John chapter 20 why did he say you know this is the same St. Thomas the Apostle who said until I have seen him and until I have placed my hands in his in, in his in his wounds and in his side I will not believe and then Jesus shows up and and It says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Why does St. Thomas the Apostle go forth and die in India, you know, pinned to the ground with a spear, when he rejected his Lord until he literally saw him standing in front of him? Why did he do that? Well, it's very simple. These men found something worth dying for. Something changed them radically. And that something was Jesus Christ the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the proof of the resurrection. That's what changes men. That's what makes us unafraid of death. We don't fear it anymore because we know where we're going. We know what's going to happen. We know who intercedes for us. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, well, fine. I know a number of my uh, listeners, a number of my readers are atheists or agnostics or just... Unconvinced Christians by name only. Okay. Fine. You have to find what's worth dying for. Even those ancient warriors that Capios talks about, those, those ancient lords who went into battle and died for their countries and died for their kingdoms and died for their families. They died because there was something bigger than themselves. We as a society don't have something bigger than ourselves. If you have a child, okay, um, what would you give up for that child? Everything, right? That's what any good parent would say. I was in a strategy course um, a few weeks ago, and uh, the guy leading that course is a gray hair, you know, he's, he's a very, very, very wise, experienced professor. He's been doing these consulting gigs for decades. Uh, he's been in the business world for 60-something years almost. Um, this guy basically illustrated things very clearly in terms of motivation and life goals. And he said, Okay, suppose you are told to walk over a, a metal beam that's placed on the floor. Would you do that for, uh, for free? Most people would say, Yeah, sure, of course. Now suspend that metal beam which is just uh, six inches wide, between two buildings at uh, 200 feet in the air. Now would you walk across it for free? Hell no. Would you walk across it for a million dollars? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Most people would. Would you walk across it for a million dollars in the midst of a blowing hurricane where you've got hurricane-force winds pushing you on either side, making things very, very dangerous. Most people say, no, not going to happen. Now, take that same beam and put your infant son in the middle. Would you cross that beam for free? Think about it. Only the most cruel and callous and disgusting and cowardly of men would say, no, I wouldn't do it. It's your son in the middle of it. Doesn't matter what the money is. If you, if you, if through losing your life, you save your son's life, that's a good trade. That's what you have to find. And you have to find something worth dying for. For a Christian, we have something worth dying for. We have Jesus. For a secular type, you have to find something bigger than yourself. You have to find a purpose, a meaning in life. How do you do that? As I said just a few days ago in this uh, talk that I gave, which apparently was pretty well received. A lot of people really liked it. How do you keep moving forward when all the world is against you? You have to find something that is true. Fix your eye on that which is true. Never give up on it. Never turn away from it. Always keep moving toward that truth. One foot in front of the other, no matter how hard it is, no matter how painful, no matter what it takes, one foot in front of the other, moving forward. Always moving forward. That's what it takes. You have to find something bigger than yourself. You have to find something that is true and you have to move towards it. When you do that, you'll never have a day in your life where you'll worry about what it is that I'm doing here, why I'm doing what I'm doing, what is the point or the purpose of all of this. That, that guy that Kapios was talking about, the one who spent a decade in a monastery, he found something that was true. He found something bigger than himself. And he stayed with it. He's not perfect. None of us are. None of us could possibly be perfect. But those of us who are Christians at least know someone who is perfect. He's part of our daily lives. He's he's the one who picks us up when we fall down. He's the one who motivates us, who gives us strength. He keeps us going in the midst of persecution and pain. He's the one that we die for. And he's the one who calls us home to God, to our Lord. That's why we don't fear death. We fear dying. I mean, I, I'm terrified of the idea of being eaten alive. I'm terrified of the idea of falling to my death or drowning or burning or being crucified or, you know, any one of a thousand other horrible ways I could die. But I'm even more terrified of dying and then being told you've wasted your life and you've rejected God. So, you're going to spend the rest of eternity in solitary confinement. That would be truly horrible because that's what awaits people in hell. I've told, I've said this before. The gates of hell are locked from within. The people who go to hell go there because they rejected God openly and they don't want any part in any kind of presence, um, any kind of, um, communion with him. They don't want to be part of his existence. His, uh, they don't want. To, they don't want him to be part of their existence. That's where they're going. They're okay with that. And God's like, okay, fine. If that's what you want, that's what you're gonna get. Don't be one of those people. I hope that helps. I hope that's answered the question. I know things are tough out there on the continent. I know. I mean, it's coming to where I am too. Uh, they're already talking about bringing back vaccine passports, even though like 80 plus percent of the country is supposedly double jabbed and 90 plus percent have COVID antibodies, supposedly. I've had COVID or whatever COVID is supposed to be. I've had it. So I'm not afraid of it, but people here are still terrified. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, most people are cowards and that's just the truth. Um, but we're stuck with it. This, this is the, this is the world we live in. This is, uh, the misery of, of life. Um, and it is soul-destroying and it grinds you down, but this is what we face. So what you have to do to overcome it is to focus on that, which is true, and don't be like other people. Don't be like those who pray, beg and pray for just one more moment of life. As uh, Tecumseh once said, uh, when your time comes to die, do not be like those women who... Beg and plead for yet one more day of life. Uh, Sing your death song like a warrior coming home. Because that's what you are. That'll uh, pretty much wrap it up. I think I've, you know, prattled on for quite long enough. But hopefully that is of use. I hope I have provided some hope and some context. And above all, I think... I have provided a, um, a goal to work towards. Find something which matters, that's bigger than you. Stick to that truth, and you'll never have another day of your life of doubt as to whether it's good enough to die for, because it is. That's all there is to it. It's the hardest thing in the world, but that's all there is to it. This has been Domain Query. Fear of the Long Dark, and I am Didact, signing off.